0: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Uh, we can make our way back to our seats. Um, we do not have a handout tonight. I apologize. Um, but I'm hoping that if you if you feel anything that um, is said tonight that kind of catches you and makes you think or challenges you in some way or something that uh, sounds like something you would jot down, uh, please do um, grab a pen and a piece of paper. Um, tonight, we're going to just kind of walk through something together that um, I've been working through a little bit over time and um, kind of put this together today. Um, but it should be pretty easy to follow. And uh, we'll start off with just one scripture in tonight's teaching. And we're going to start in Psalms. Um, we're going to go to chapter Chapter 37. And there's two verses there I'd like to uh, kick off with, 23 and 24. Um, and then we're going to go to the very first psalm after that. So if you want to put a finger there, you can as well. Uh, but we'll start in chapter 37, verse 23. Many of you should know this and be able to quote this, but we'll read it together tonight. Um, and if you could just stand for the reading of the word. Um, we're going to read verse 23. It, It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Amen to that. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. And then if you want to go ahead and go to the very first Psalm, chapter 1, verse 1, we'll do 1 and 2 here, um, and I'll read this as well. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. You may be seated. Um, I'll just say a quick prayer. God, we thank you, Jesus, so much for this time together tonight. God, truly bless us in your word. Just let it go forth and help us in this current day and age. We pray this in your name in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we look at these two passages or these two groupings of Scripture in Psalms, we, we can kind of classify them in what is often considered um, the book of wisdom, right? Um, psalms and Proverbs, we have a lot of books that are in the Bible that kind of over time as people study them, as they put invested some a thought into them, they give them these, these themes typically, so it helps guide us at times. Um, So this wisdom literature that is often written of in Psalms, 150 Psalms that we know of, right, Um, in some sense they all could be searched and, and labeled as something as a celebration of wisdom. Okay, so when we look at Psalms, it, it's something that we read, and oftentimes we, we go through some of them and they seem pretty dark. <laughs> they seem pretty dreary. And often those are the expression of the writer during that time of their life and what they're dealing with, what they're going through. Um, and then oftentimes we see the opposite of that. We see a celebration, we see uh, the uplifting of the Lord, we see remembrance take place, we see testimonies given. And it's the beautiful nature of the book of Psalm and the other um, books of wisdom is knowing that we can understand a little bit more about God because of those circumstances in those, testify, or those uh, testimonies. Um, but we also learn about his attributes. And then the cool thing is that when we look through and we read through the author's perspective, which is, which is a great way to read through, through the Bible, is consider the time, consider the person, Consider the situation. Don't just read a verse. Read, read the chapter before. Read the chapter after, right? Um, you, you get context, and you, you're able to part that together, and you get more than just, just wisdom. You, you almost can fit yourself. How, how many of you have ever done that? You kind of fit yourself in that person's position in their place. Um, and then what's really cool is we get to respond to that. We get to respond to what we read. And that's the beautiful nature of the Word of God is that it's, it, it's not meant to just, it's timeless, right? It's not meant to just stay in a certain place, in a certain time period, in a certain culture. Amen? It's meant to go forward and to affect all lives that, that are up to this moment in, today, in time. And also unto our kids and unto their kids, if the Lord should tarry, we understand that the Word has that level of power and authority. There's only a few minor psalms that we would read that celebrate just in its entirety about wisdom itself. Like we're talking about wisdom in the sense that um, you know knowledge is often said as knowledge is power, right? We we get into that. Um, but oftentimes what we do is we we associate wisdom as something grander. Wisdom is something that goes beyond just knowledge. Um, it, it's deeper, it has substance, it has meaning, it has experience to it. it, it it's, it's something that's a little bit more than that. So if you were to look at that, the book of Psalms does talk about that type of wisdom in itself. Um, as we read in Psalm 1, or as we read in Psalm 37, the two verses and passages that we read this tonight. Um, there's also others, but we're not going to focus on those today. What I want to focus on is, is where we're getting... Uh, context, and where we're getting wisdom in these two passages that we started with. Um, you know, wisdom has the power to reveal. Uh, it, it discovers things. Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's unbeknownst to ourselves. We, we don't really recognize it until all of a sudden it seems to like part our innermost self, and it begins to examine us. And that's the beauty of wisdom, is that it's very, it can be very personal, eye-opening. It can, it can change our perspective, right? Um, it often opens our eyes to a new light, if you would use that terminology. Um, and the beauty of the nature of Psalms is it often does this in that way. It talks to you. It, it talks to the reader. It, it unveils things to us. And the Word of God is like that across the board. But oftentimes when you get into, like, let's say, the 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 law of Moses, or you get into areas where you're talking about the prophets, or uh, even the letters that we read later on from the early church, uh, a lot of times you're, they're talking to a specific audience, and you can gather that information, right? But, but when we read Psalms, it's really cool because it's not really trying to pinpoint any like major group of—it's pinpointing situations, time periods, things that are happening during that time in that age— but what it's also doing is it's just speaking to whoever reads it. It's just talking right to your heart. It's talking right to you and your purpose and, and, and what you're doing in your life and how it relates to the things that David struggled with, that other psalms sang about and wrote poems about as well. That's really cool, um, but it has the power to reveal. It has the power to discover. Um, it, it calls us as listeners to pursue after its instruction. Do you ever feel like the Word of God kind of just like, all of a sudden, it's like it lassoes you. Pretend I'm a, I'm a Lone Ranger here. I'm lassoing something. And it kind of like draws you in. It, it's just really weird. And, and oftentimes, it doesn't do it the first time. But you'll come back to the Bible. If we've got any yearly Bible readers in here, you'll come back to the Bible the next year. And all of a sudden, you'll get to a new place. And all of a sudden, you feel it's like, it's like tugging at you. It's tugging at you. And, and there's something in your life that you feel you need to maybe adjust or change Um, or some things that you want to pursue after. You feel God's calling oftentimes reinforced in the Word of God. You know, if anybody here tonight, I'll just tell you right off the bat, from my own experience, if you question what God has called you to do, your purpose and your plan and where God would like to take you, guarantee you, you're going to find confirmation in the Word. As you read it, you're going to start to feel things kind of rise up in your spirit. And it's going to be a little uh, nerve-wracking at times. It's going to challenge you. Um, It's going to agitate you. It's not always going to be comfortable. Um, But that's what God does. He reinforces everything that he wants in your life with his word. Amen. I'm way off my notes here, but we're going to get back. Um, So it has the power to reveal. Like in Psalm 1, it identifies the word as a constant, steady source of life. Like in verse 3, we'll read that in a moment here. But it does say this in verse one and two: "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, and this is the word I want to focus on as we lead into the rest of this lesson tonight, is his delight. His delight. That's that's our delight is in the law and of the Lord, and we meditate day and night." I put a lot of ands in there. It doesn't really say that, but in all essence, that's what we're getting at here is it, there's more to it. You don't just delight in it, like an enjoyment or uh, you know a happy feeling, but there's more to that delight. There's more to that meaning, and we'll read into that a little bit more. But when we go to verse 3, we didn't read verse 3. If we could pull up Psalms 1, verse 3, and it says this, it says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers. So notice, We just said, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. What is it talking about now? It's talking about you still, as it says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whether he does shall prosper. That sounds amazing. It truly does. It sounds amazing. If I could just delight in the Lord, in his law. And if I begin to meditate on that daily, verse 3's promise is already set before us that we shall be like a tree planted by water. And that, that imagery is really powerful. I mean, we're not going to break it apart tonight, but if you just think about it, just in the, even in the surface layer of what we're talking about, we understand that a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, what happens to that tree? When fire comes, when, when pestilence comes, when, when struggles come against that tree, when the winds come and the things hit, come and hit it, it is strong. It's lapping up the rivers of the water to make it, make it really heavy within the roots, and it's able to stand and, and be strong and, and not be affected by fire and famine. That's a blessing. That's something that is for us if we are to delight in the Lord. Some other psalms of wisdom, such as Psalm 19, speak of the Word of God as having attributes that have the power to directly affect the reader. So my focus tonight, and I'm sure if they haven't already, the title slide, but it is going to be about delight in the Lord. Simple as that may be, it's something that we should understand what Scripture talks about, what it means to delight in his law. In Psalm 19, 7 and 8, it does say this, talking about the attributes and having the power It says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statue of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. As you can see, there's there's a contrast between those two parts of that scripture. It talks about what? wisdom that we gain from the word what's the second part referencing you can shout it out how we respond how it affects us how how it how it starts to work on the person the listener the reader as we look at the word it's quite a beautiful thing and those who just take a glance or quick look at those scriptures may not readily see the pattern, but the word of wisdom affects the reader. It it just tells you right there in that scripture. It, it shows you that if 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 you believe and you find wisdom in this piece of the word, this is how it affects you. It awakens our soul to the Lord, it opens our eyes to the truth, it causes our hearts to rejoice. Those are the things that that Scripture does. That's what it's calling out to us. An example of how we should respond to the Word of God in Psalm 119 as another example reveals this very powerful connection between the the psalmist and God. Just just listen to Psalm 119. We're going to read through 1 through 7 here just as another example. It says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk walk in the law of the Lord. Verse 2, blessed are those that keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learned your righteous judgments. Verses 36 through 7, if we continue on in that same chapter. It says, incline my heart to your testimonies. Verse 50 says this, this is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Verse 77, that same chapter, let your tender mercies come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. There's that word again. Verse 92 says, unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. And the last one in this example of chapter 119, verse 98 says this, You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Isn't that beautiful? The word has completed whatever we struggle with, whatever things that we may face. Our enemies may think they have overcome us. They may think they're ahead of us. And and it says in this moment right here that that is not the truth because his commandments have already dictated right? That, that we have already surpassed them. We're ahead of them. Where we're, we're, God goes before us, there is no uh, defeat. There is only but victory. And David's intention was to use this common language as one of the many authors of, of psalms. He used this word delight as an expression of his relationship with the law or the Word of God. He wants us to understand this simple concept that which you would take delight in, just think of this, what you take delight in, it changes you. I think we can, we can think of this in our head too. Just think of some examples, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, of things that you enjoy, things that delight you, things that you find comfort in, things that energize you, things that encourage you, things that in, anything in life you can think of. And you can try to see that there's a pattern to some of that, that oftentimes it has some type of f- effect on you, um, whether it's just in the moment or it has a little bit prolonged effect. But if we delight in the Word of God, we, if we desire the Word of God, let's also use that language here tonight. If we long for its instruction in our life, we will be blessed. Yes, but we will also take on the attributes and become more like it. So that's a twofold piece to as we look into the word as we look into the wisdom as we as we branch into the different themes that we find within the books of wisdom we can identify that there is blessings amen to that there's blessings but the greater aspect of this is that is that you don't come out of that blessing you don't come out of that wisdom the same you're changed you're 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 no longer yourself in so much the way that you came into that not before that knowledge and wisdom hits you. And, and it started to collide with your very being, right? And all of a sudden, when, when that collision happens, all of a sudden you're like shaking it off and you're like, okay, what, what just happened to me? And all of a sudden you feel like, you know what, I, I don't quite look the same in the mirror As I once did before, maybe I don't desire maybe the same things I used to desire before. Maybe actions that I used to take in my day or the things that I used to want to do with my life have changed. And that's the beauty of the word, is that if we are to delight in it, there's a a theme here that we'll start to uncover. If we delight in something, it it changes us. Um, David delighted in God's testimonies. He delighted in God's precepts. He delighted in his statutes. He delighted in in the instruction in the word. I think oftentimes we're so battled by this fact that the Bible does tell us how to live. And then oftentimes we we get a little pride in us and and I can admit to that, at times I'd be like, what, what, you want me to do that, Lord? You know, and we question it and we kind of come up against it, but in all honesty, God is doing it through grace and through mercy and through example, but he's showing us also that through this, if we follow it, we are guaranteed that God will take care of us, that he'll provide for us, that he'll make a way for us, and he'll open up opportunities that we didn't have once before. You know, it's a perspective thing when we get into understanding and studying the word of God. I've had conversations with many people before, and oftentimes what you'll find is everyone seems to have that is not a part of this church family if you go outside of uh, the Pentecost movement if you go outside into different areas of religion and you start to talk about scripture you'll find out that there's a lot of different interpretations of what they feel scripture is saying and how it applies to their life and that's where you start to find out that there's a lot of debate happening and and too much of that it drains us it's it's worthless endeavor for us to to try to, uh, the best thing is if we can come down and we can open up the word of God across the table and we can start to explore together. But the best thing out of that is we come out of that. We come out of that knowing what God is desiring for our lives. And that's the agreement we need to come to. So it's important that study is a part of our lives so we can not just be knowledgeable and have the wisdom of our own age and our own self and our own life, but it's for us to share it. So we can open up the word across the table and have those conversations. And David, he he, he never stopped. He, he constantly lavished onto the Lord. He, he delighted in his word and his law so much. And, and many would say, well, the law was very restricting. It was very restricting. It was very restricting. And, and it was a very practical restriction. It was very uh, down to the very precepts that they came up with. Uh, you know, you had to do a specific thing if this specific thing happened to you in your life. Um, and, and that's, we, we don't have that burden of that anymore. We have that written in our hearts. But to a greater extent, are we, are we meant to go a more excellent way? Uh, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a more of a, a challenge for us today uh, than it was for them at the time. It was a stumbling block. And now what we have is we have open freedom. But that freedom has caused us a lot of trouble with the way people treat the word of god today. But he delighted in instruction, he delighted in his wisdom. In our English translation here, it limits our context, but basically delighting as it's referenced in this scripture is more than just taking enjoyment in. And I'm sure many of us can can realize that, but it's not just taking enjoyment. No, it's it's more than just satisfaction. It's actually not just an activity or uh, It's not just gratification, but it's more. And David expresses this in a different way. But in Matthew chapter 13, we see the same expression. And let's read what it says there in Matthew chapter 13. In verse 44, if we put that up there, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy... Over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So this is the King James Version, I know. Um, even New King James does express this, but that for joy, that joy is being expressed in the same manner. Is that what we see in the word delight in the book of Psalms? So David expresses his delight in the word of God the same way this man referencing the kingdom of heaven and the treasures there found in the field, his joy. So, the verse expresses the man's joy over the treasure. The joy is his delight, as the same as the other delight. And if we just translate that into our normal language that we have today, um, it just basically means exceeding delight. And what has been found, as we study through these we understand that what we see in Matthew chapter 13, verse 4 to 4, it says he not only responds by protecting it or hiding it. He doesn't just tuck it away. He says, this is important to me. I don't want to lose this. This is something I have to save. I'll go put in a safety box at the bank. Or I'm going to go, you know, make a deposit somewhere, or invest it in gold or uh, whatever the case may be. There, there wasn't like a transaction that took place. He didn't, he didn't offload it to another Place He didn't do something like that. But what he did is he he, he, bought, he, he bought everything, the whole land that it resided on. So he, he kept it where it was. He didn't try to change it or take it somewhere else or do something else with it. He kept it where it was. And what he did is he, everything that was around him, where he found this truth, he bought it he bought it everything with everything that he had everything that he had all his possessions all of his wealth he poured into buying everything around what he just found this is the exceeding delight that David is talking about that we should have for the word of God. Now just picture this. You come into the church and you find out there's some really good stuff in here. And you read this and you study it. And it starts to challenge you and you change things in your life. And and what the transaction that you make is, you you don't move this to fit with you. I don't take this over here and I don't put the Bible in a place that it doesn't belong and I don't try to conform it to a different lifestyle. I don't try to do anything with it outside of where it belongs. But what I do is I change everything else around me to fit with this. That means whatever lifestyle I choose to have, whatever job I choose to pursue after, excuse me, whatever relationships I begin to have, whatever choices I make for my children and for my family, whatever things I do with my day, how I structure my day, what priorities I put forth, all those things are made to fit. I buy them. I buy them. So this stays exactly where it needs to be. Amen? Does that make sense? So in Proverbs chapter 2, we read this. In verses 1 through 6, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure, treasure, that's that word again, my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding so kind of moving forward in this passage what we're what we're transitioning to is that once we find the wisdom and we have this and we keep it where it belongs and we start to change our life around you, what we end up seeing is that the light that we have starts to do something with our life Sometimes it's difficult. When I first came into the church, I remember that when I started to understand the word, I should say, and when my aunt taught me a Bible study, I remember sitting down and sometimes that scripture, if you remember this in yourself, all of a sudden it would just, it's almost like light bulb, you know, big, big light bulb above your head. And all of a sudden you're like, wow. And then at some point you start to make this this conversion. You're like, how in the world does not everybody know about this? And, and all of a sudden it becomes like this urgency, this stirring within you. Now, now you're like, man, i I got to tell everybody about this. This is, this is like life. This is everything that we live for. This is the purpose that we exist. Like where we go with our next step is all written within here. And, and, and how can we not understand or know this or, or have this a part of our life? That's what happens to you. And, and that's what, what the Proverbs, that's the wisdom that's being said here, is that when we delight in the word, all of a sudden, uh, you know, knowledge is there. Wisdom is coming. God is giving us this understanding. And all of a sudden, everything that we used to challenge ourselves with out in the world, that we thought was the right thing to do. Uh, but it, it brought more struggle. It brought uh, fruitless efforts. It didn't make any progress for us in our life. And all of that we start to see where we're like, I don't even know why I even was dabbling in that. Like, I don't even know why I made those choices I did. And, and that's the wisdom. That's the knowledge. That's the understanding. All of a sudden, God is starting to, to change us. He's starting to change us with his wisdom. And that's the beautiful nature of what we see when we look at What that word delight is, exceeding delight in the Lord. To delight in the word of God is to treat it as a priceless treasure. A priceless treasure. It can withstand the test of time. We've said that uh, the fires of persecution can't burn it up. It can even withstand the ridicule of man. And a treasure so perfect it holds the keys to heaven itself. So we should have a deep desire for the wisdom and the Word of God, we should want to know it. We should want to know it. And we should want to protect it with everything. So if it if it gives us the instruction, the wisdom to change something in our life, we honor that by following it. And in so doing, following it, we protect it. And, and that's how it's that's how it has never been able to be disproven. It's how it's never been able to come to fault. They could try to burn the words up in this book over the many centuries that it's existed and it's all failed to come to pass. Because there is no way that this will not endure to the end. God has set that already in motion. It's priceless. It's cared for. It's protected. But why is it that at times... And I, I thought of this today when I was putting this together. Why, why are there certain things that we just, let, we just enjoy? I, I, I bet you I could walk around the room and we could talk about hobbies. We could talk about things that you like to participate in, things you like to do, things that give you joy in your life. And, and, and I'm talking about things a little bit outside of just what the Lord provides for us and gives us naturally. But, but there are certain things that we like to do. Some of us like to read. Some of us don't like to read. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, some of us like to uh, play a sport. Some of us aren't really interested in that. Uh, but there are certain things that God has put within us that all of a sudden through life, because we do live life, and, and he wants us to enjoy life. But, but there are certain things that he's put within us that we like to do. I know, I know Roman's not here tonight, but he likes to draw. He he's as a kid he he gets into that he you know and some kids are just like I don't really want to draw like that's not my interest. Um, some kids don't really get into games. Uh, they don't play video games. Some games kids don't like to play board games. Some kids like to go out and play basketball. Um, and that's the the nature of what it's like. Um, and we're all kids at heart. So we we like our toys and we like our uh, our hobbies. Um, we like to enjoy things and to and to do things. But. Even though if I was to query this room, we'd all have some form of different activity or hobby or music or uh, something that that entertains us or gives us joy in life. Um, it kind of draws us into something in life, right? Um, it makes us feel good about ourselves or uh, like we're making progress in some area. We're doing something that we're interested in. Um, and these certain things, they actually speak to us. They do. They, they help us understand a little bit more about ourselves. Um, they sometimes engrossed in adventure. I like to hike. Hiking is a, one of my favorite things to do. And it's not that I have this big joy of just being outside. I mean, that's a part of it. But it's kind of odd. But I actually like the challenge of going places that you haven't gone before. That's where I, that's where I get intrigued. The hiking aspect is like, yeah, you're walking and you're, you're, you're going on a kind of an adventure. But the adventure to me is going somewhere I've never been before. I've never tread through this forest before. I've never gone to this area of this land before. I've never taken this trail before. Let's go do it, right? And and that's the enjoyment I get out of things. Um, sometimes it's the challenge. It, it, it challenges our thoughts or our body. It inspires us. It sometimes relaxes the heart. Um, a good book can stir our emotions, right? Uh, there's a lot of things out there that engage our minds. Like we attune to it. All of a sudden we're locked in, you know, and then you're, your husband or wife are calling you for the last 30 minutes and you, you're just totally oblivious to it and they're just calling you from the background and you're, just, you're locked into whatever you're doing uh, because that's your thing. You enjoy it. It's, it's something that you get focused on. Um, but as much as we may find enjoyment in other things in life, none of them have the power to truly change us. They may lift us up. They may encourage us, like I've said. They, there might be moments of peace and rest. Um, they may sharpen our minds. It may help our bodies be a little healthier. All those things are beneficial, but they really don't change us. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, though, about the Word of God. And I should just hold the microphone out there and see if anybody can quote this one. But it says, for the Word of God is what? Sharper. Sounds pretty sharp. Piercing even to the? And the joints, yep. And is it a cerner? Keep going. What's the next part? Whoever's got the, the scripture up there. Because I know I have, I have a different rendition on here, but you guys are doing so good, and then we paused. Um, so, and there's no, uh, there's nothing that's hidden from it, right? That's the next part. Uh, there's, it's out of, uh, nothing can be hidden from its sight but all things are open to the eyes of whom we must give an account and that's New King James Version so we understand that uh, there are things out there that, that we can get uh, joy from and take delight in um, but it doesn't have the power to change us like the word of God does it knows us it knows us even the deepest parts of who we are. Nothing is hidden from the Word of God. And the author of Hebrews and the Psalmists are testifying that as we read that which was inspired by God, it also reads us. I I don't know if you ever thought of that. As you explore the Scripture, as you open up your Bible, as you read some of these books of wisdom, or if you pick up a letter from Paul, As you read it, did you ever think the Word of God is actually looking at you? It's kind of interesting, as uh, I've heard it said this way before, is that the Word of God, and it does say this in Scripture a little bit, is like a mirror, right? And as you look into the perfect Word of God, what do you see when you see a reflection through it? What do you see? I know it's not really a mirror, but just using it as a prop. But when you look at it, oftentimes what does it do? Is it, does it make us see maybe some imperfections? Maybe. But what its intent is, it's, is to truly show you what God wants you to look like. And that's the power of it being sharper and piercing, and a discerner. That's, that's true. It does that to us. It looks at us. Um, in Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24, we read this. The hearer should delight in God's ways. And the passage that we read, the uncertain steps are future, Perhaps is actually upheld by the Word of God. So a lot of times when we walk in this world and we, we aren't really sure what's to come before us, I mean, we don't even know what the day, tomorrow holds for us. We, in this current age, in this day, we look into this new year, 2024, you can go online and you can find millions of people posting about what things are going to be like in 2024. What the new cool thing is going to be, what the hottest car is going to be, what movies are coming out, uh, you know, uh, what places you should travel to, what are there going to be the tickets to buy next year. Um, they'll tell you everything. They'll tell you the financial market, they'll tell you about when interest rates are finally going to drop. They'll tell you about when you should go buy a house. They'll tell you all these things, and the year hasn't even kicked off. Yet they're forecasting past to a point that we understand when we read the Word of God, that we aren't even guaranteed that next day. But the word of God, what's so great about it and powerful about that, that passage that we first started with is that we're ordered. The steps of a righteous man are ordered. That means that if we delight in him, if we delight in his word, if we, if we seek after, if we, if we apply it to our lives and we allow it to change us, guess what? Tomorrow is already taken care of. The next day is already taken care of. God has already forecasted out all that we need to know. And that's all we need to trust in. We don't need to understand that. I know there's signs and there's times and there's seasons that we should be aware of. But tomorrow is already taken care of. And David, when we read this in Scripture, he didn't wait to be face-to-face with the lion and the bear. No, on contrary, I think if we read that Scripture, he saw them from a distance. And they were harassing his sheep. They were causing trouble. They were moving around in his his area. And he noticed them. Oftentimes we get this image of the bear and lion jumping right on top of David as a little little boy. But what happened is, is he noticed them from afar. And what that did is that gave him the position. That gave him the position to overtake something was far stronger and deadlier than him. And God gave him the ability to know how to take care of something that didn't even see him yet. Now just think of this for a moment. The same thing happened when he faced Goliath. We Read about uh, facing Goliath. He wasn't toe-to-toe with Goliath. He was afar off. There, there was, a, there was a, a valley that separated them, the two armies. And David obviously didn't fit in anything that Saul could give him. He didn't, couldn't carry a sword. Uh, he didn't bring anything but his, his sling, right, and, his, and, the, and the stones. And he was prepared because he's done this before. So when you look at that situation, the enemy, the enemy was across the way. And David knew right where he stood was the best position he could ever be in. Oftentimes, we're very reactionary people. And this is where I'm going with this. Oftentimes, we allow the enemy to make its way, make its way in our life till it's knocking on our door. It's just there it's there, all of a sudden you hear the knock, and all of a sudden the circumstance hits you all of a sudden, something today you get the bad news that you you didn 't want to hear, and you 're not prepared. why? because you 're not in the right position you 're not where God intended you to be spiritually, maybe even practically in your life and we we, we become very reactionary Christians're in the fact that what 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 David speaks of in Psalms and what God really desires for us in our life is that we are actually constantly moving for the Lord. And then the enemy may try to find a way he might come and intercept us at some point and try to come across, but we're constantly moving in already the ordered steps that God has given us. So when we're walking in that steps, that means that it's not just me, but the Lord is before me. And as I walk in the precepts, as I walk into the law of wisdom and the commandments that God has given me in my life, that God goes before me and he makes the path sure. That means that even if I'm traversing in the wilderness and I take a path that I don't know, he's taking my foot and he's basically, I'll come down here so I don't hurt myself. He's basically taking my foot and he's saying, no, that's not, Nope, don't go there. That's where I want you to go. And then the next step comes along. And then I might waver a little bit, not sure, but I trust in the word of God and I trust in his precepts. I trust in his commandments. I trust in his leading. I am a praying man. And as I pray daily, all of a sudden, oh, that's where that's supposed to go. All right, that feels good. I feel stable. I feel strong. And as I traverse areas that I've never been through before, which, come on, that happens in life, amen? When I traverse different areas, God starts to take each one of my steps and he sets them right where they should go. We can't allow the enemy to constantly come before us when we haven't been walking in the steps of the Lord. If we just trust that in that moment, and God does, I'm not saying he won't, he's done it, he's proven it, he'll still do it for many of us today, is that he will answer prayer in the moment, he'll come and rescue us, in our most dire moments. But guess what? If we're prepared like David, if we position ourselves way before anything ever would happen in our life, we would be ready and able and know our feet are stable and secure. That means every day, no matter what we we traverse through, that man's, the the grime and the gook that we walk through every single day, no matter the obstacles we may run through, God is going to navigate us perfectly through those situations. He may not take you out of them, he may not take you out of them, but he's going to navigate you perfectly through each one of those circumstances. Amen? So, when we hear of a need to pray, when we are faced with circumstances like we talked about, when the enemy is roaming and we, we see him roaming out there, we are positioned in a place where he has no chance to approach us. No chance. He is afar off. We see him for what he is and where he's standing and what he's trying to do well before he's able to even come to our doorstep. We're prepared and God's given us the tools to deal with that. So we've taken the position as David against the enemy, against life in itself. That's why we pray without ceasing. We pray for our homes, right? We pray we pray for our families daily. We pray for our children. I pray for my girls, who they may marry, where they may find themselves in their calling for God and that's, that might be 10, 15, 20 years down the road. But I pray for them for that today. Why? Because I'm positioning them in my family so that when the enemy tries to come against them, they're long in the precepts of God. They're already surely founded in his footsteps and, and the devil's not going to take away from that. So, these are the things we do. We meditate on the word daily. All this should sound familiar. This is all the scriptures we read tonight. We move towards the kingdom. We pursue it. We don't, we don't become reactionary. We don't wait for things to fall on top of us or come before us. That's not how God desires us to live our life. He desires us to pursue, to move. And in doing so, we're not caught off guard because we know the one who orders our steps and who has set our path. And we, we, need, we know the good man is established then. We're secured by his wisdom. And because we delight in it, it changes us. I'm going to skip down a little bit farther here, but a lot of times we allow the things that God's given us to be cast to the wayside. And I just want to cover this briefly tonight. I'm guilty of this as well at times, and it's something that just we have to build discipline as Christians. Um, But we do know that there's a battle, right? There's, There's a constant battle between the light and the dark. We'll just say that. And it's behind a spiritual veil. We don't always get to see behind that veil. Sometimes God doesn't veil things to us or angels warn us of things. But there's things being, there's things taking place. Angels are warring over territories. There's cities and strongholds. There's, there's souls being fought over. And we may not see all that. and We may feel distant from that battle at times because it's spiritual warfare. Um, but it does take place all around us. And oftentimes we, we associate this to war, right, with soldiers and, and watchmen and warriors for Christ. And I don't think all the time we think of that and we feel like we're warriors for Christ. You know, I got my armor on and I've got my sword and I'm fighting like I would fight, right? We don't even fight that way anymore today. Um, that's not a method that we use in our current warfare. But we think of that as, as the way that we are meant to move forward for God. But there is some truth to some of this. Because it's not because we're not called. That's not why we don't feel like we're soldiers. It's not because uh, we haven't been given training. That's what all soldiers go through, training. They call it basic training, and there's advanced versions of that. And it's not because we lack armor or the weapons to use. I think it's because we easily just, and I'm just going to use the word of God as one of them because we know what that is in the word of, you know, in the armor sometimes we just we let them sit on the side and the battle's raging and going on but I didn't take time to look into this the last couple of days and I may have stored up some good food and that's good but eventually that's not going to last me so sometimes I do that and I let things set aside and they can gather dust, and if you're thinking of, like, swords and, and, and armor, it was made out of steel and metal and iron and all these different things, they could rust, they could, they could gather dust, they could get uh, unworthy for battle. They'd become unworthy because we set them down. And oftentimes what you'll see is when you got your armor or when you had your sword in those time periods, you, you would be given someone that would bear that with you, So they would be responsible for when you were not wearing that in battle, they would take it off to the side and they would make sure it was clean and ready for you for the next time you had battle. But in today's times, we're all responsible for our own armor and our own weapons. And if they collect dust and if they collect, or if they get rust on them or if they are dull to the point where they're not effective anymore, it's only because we're... We're not taking care of them. We're not using them in the way that God intended them to be used for. So that's another thing that is a part of us delighting in these things of the Lord. We, we have to use what God has given us in the Word. Without it, we, we, we fumble. How many times have, I know we're getting close to time, but how many times have you, have you in a moment... Because maybe you had a rough morning or a rough day and you didn't get your prayer time in or you didn't get your reading in or you didn't uh, talk to the Lord and spend some time meditating on something. And then all of a sudden, of course, this is how it happens, is that someone asks you to do something and you feel you can't do it. Ever feel that way? Or maybe that person you've been trying to witness to for like the last couple months, all of a sudden comes and starts asking you questions. And you feel unprepared in the moment. It happens to us. It's happened to me. And sure, you can, you can muddle through it at times, but, but maybe we didn't position ourselves where God intended us to be for the day. He had that already set. It wasn't that person's fault they were in the will they were following the path that god already laid out for you but for some reason you you were, you were shaky you were wobbly you maybe stubbled a little bit making your way down that way and that's not that's not our fault all the time but oftentimes it is our fault and we need to be very diligent we need to be very much delighted in the things of god so we need to secure our armor. We need to protect our hearts and our minds and our salvation. We need to continue to have that gospel of peace in our life. We need to polish that shield of faith. We need to sharpen that great and perfect weapon, which is the word of God. And then, as we witness and as we pray and as we teach and as we serve, we not only will experience this revival of wisdom. It will, it will constantly speak to us, but it will also start to work in our lives around us, and it will start to impact the the church and where the church is going and and how the church is witnessing to the community and to our different areas. And as we continue to move together, as each person is finding their places, and and, and as they march along, guess what? Your life is not only changed. But as those that follow and delight in the word of God, just like how you saw with King David, everywhere he went, every battle he approached, every step that he took, that place then was claimed for the Lord. Think about that. Go to your job as you walk around, as you walk in the precepts, as God is founding each one of your feet. It's like he's taking his banner and he's stamping it. His mark remains. Everywhere that you've gone, everywhere that you tread, every place that you have an effect on, your sphere of influence, all of a sudden now belongs to the Lord. Why? Because you are moving in that same way. You're taking the steps of a righteous man. And I'll conclude with going into this. It's easy to sometimes walk in the flesh. We must remind ourselves that our kingdom is not of this world. And we don't war after the things of our flesh. We know this inscription, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. And as we, as we then walk circumstantly as wise men under the power of the Holy Spirit, we desire and we endeavor after Christ. That means we, we remove the things that are against what's the wisdom in here. And we exalteth this above everything in our life comes first and foremost. And we bring everything into captivity and under the obedience of Jesus Christ. Every place we go, every person we meet, we claim for the Lord. We raise up that banner, we shout, and we stand for him in our life. Church, the, the word beckons us. I, I've been just so deep in this as of late, at the end of this year, and I know that's a late start, but I've, I've been so deep in this word where I, I'm spending hours in certain parts, and I'm not making very good progress at times, um, but I'm spending time in it, and it's changing the way that I look at things. And every day has got a challenge in itself for us all, but I don't find any one of those capable, any one of those able to dismount me, any one of those able to kick me off course, because I've already been walking in what God has given me. Amen? If we could stand tonight. And as that analogy, this is, that's, that's me um, walking in the, the woods in a barren place. Um, there's the many things that you have to be careful of in life. And I think we take for granted for it. We're, we're a very privileged nation. And we're very privileged people. And oftentimes we get by on privilege. But just think for a moment that what we have now we didn't. What, what would get us through our day? Look at yourself, our day. What would we do with our life? if we couldn't leverage our coffee in the morning, if we couldn't leverage a job we had in the morning, if we didn't have the vehicle we use, if we didn't have the house we have, if we didn't have the abundance of, 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 of the type of foods we are able to eat in this world today. There's many privileges that we have, but without those things vying for our lives and for our comforts and for our ease of living each and every day, what would our day look like? And how would we move in that day. I think it would challenge us. And I think we would start to see how important it is that I have no power of myself to know where my foot should step, but God does. God does. And I need to allow him to start to navigate me. But that only happens, church, if I respond to what we've been given. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you. Let's pray tonight, just for the service tonight, and Anybody wants to come and pray, you can, Um, but we'll conclude the lesson tonight then. God, we thank you, Jesus, so much for your word, for the power that's in it, God, that we can be truly delighted in it that we cannot take it for granted, God, that we won't just skim through it year by year, but we'll actually look into it, we'll apply it, we'll challenge ourselves with it, we'll look to see that it guides and it leads each and every one of us to where we need to be today, God. God, we want to be a prepared church, God. We don't want to be questioning where we're going. We want to hear from you, your voice. Let it speak to us, God. Let it lead these wonderful leaders in this church, pastor and all those that are part of the pastoral team, all of our ministry leads, God. Let us lead our families, God, our fathers and our mothers, and our children, God, truly bless us and take care of us as we move into this new year, God, for we truly trust you, God, and where you're taking us. And God, we want to rely upon you, God, not on our own inhibitions or our own desires or our own temptations that may take us different routes in different places, God, but we want to be founded and secure in your will. So bless us tonight, Jesus. Be with everyone that's here tonight. God, let us continue to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.